Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5 with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All right. Hey friends, and welcome back to Wholehearted Eating. On today's episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about what is non-diet for real and what are the fakers that we've (laughs) seen coming out of the woodwork. It's a very, very important episode and we know that you're going to love it. Just a little bit of a preamble, disclaimer, whatever it is. We do curse a couple of times in this episode. So if you have kids in the car, maybe don't listen while they're there. Um, They're at the end of the episode, so um, you'll probably be fine at the beginning for at least the first 20 minutes, but uh, we just wanted to let you know. So enjoy the episode. Let's get into it, right? So this topic that we're going to be talking about today, which is what is non-diet, is on the one hand informational, we feel like, and also on the other hand, a kind of response to a lot of trends that we've been seeing on social media and people who have been emailing us as potential podcast guests who are like, oh my God, we're such a good fit. Spoiler alert, not a good fit. And this this happens all the time, right? Where new language becomes popularized in terms of what people want to hear and what they really want in terms of their health goals or wellness goals or whatever. And then people are really like same poop, different day type of thing, right? In terms of the marketing and what they do. So to get really into it, basically, there are a lot of people out there who are kind of co-opting these newer trends of practitioners who are truly non-diet, who are truly, you know, working on their client's relationship with food, help them establish food neutrality and, you know, more neutral and positive body image and stuff like that, um, to a place where the people who are still very weight loss focused, healthism focused, you know, have morality based on body sides and foods and everything are now saying like, oh, we're non-diet too. And oh, we'll help you fix your relationship with food when it could not be farther from the truth. Yeah. I think also too, I think one of the things that I think is important for everyone to know is that when you hear the, like it starts off with like a, a, a smaller counterculture and then you'll start to see it get bigger. Like over the course of the past few years, the intuitive eating book became really popular Um, a bunch of different people and books started kind of like coming out. And then what happened was you'll see it with big dieting industries, like Weight Watchers changed their name to WW, you know, and they started doing stuff like that and started changing aspects of theirs to kind of progress with that because they saw they were losing people and things of that nature. And so you'll start to see that. And then the, the old school ride or die, like diet weight loss people are there for the people who are like, yes, I want to lose weight. And that's all I care about. Um, and you know, as much as I hate them, at least they're honest about themselves. 
(laughs) (laughs) You know, at least look at it. They're not sugarcoating it. They're like, this is what I am and I'm staying here. And hey, we can respect that. You know, I mean, there was a time when I was there for it. But I think also, I think one of the things to think about with that too is it's very easy to see it And as a person right now, knowing that that's not safe for me or what that I want to do, or that you as a listener are trying to move away from, it's very easy to see them because you can hear it. The language is clear and you can say, okay, that's not for me. It's the subtleties of the people who are hanging out somewhere in between who I think like to think that they're doing a non diet approach. But what I, find that I'm feeling a lot for that about it is that they're so ignorant that they don't even know that they're a problem which is even worse because because they're creating an environment where people are really vulnerable and could fall prey to some of their language and their marketing And then they end up in a place where they're getting re-traumatized, re-hurt, and their ignorance is then therefore harming people. And in some cases, I think it's deliberate. Um, And to be perfectly honest, it's really hard to tell who's cool and who's not. (laughs) Like who is innocently, innocently ignorant and causing harm versus who is looking at it and saying, hey... I'm going to hook them in with this type of language and I want to profit off of them. So I'm going to prey off people's insecurities. And I find that to be just repulsive in every, in every way. Yeah. And what, honestly, I don't understand how these people have kind of come to this conclusion of like, oh yes, I am non-diet in the sense that like, I don't prescribe the keto diet or like I don't prescribe the paleo diet. There are even people who subscribe to like the whole 30 mentality who are like, oh, we're non-diet. Every single person who's ever worked with us or listened to the podcast is cringing right now because we know how harmful those types of programs can be. But just because you're not prescribing already created dietary modalities for people does not mean that you as a practitioner are non-diet, right? And that's the huge difference. And they they really think that, okay, well, if I, their, their logical A plus B equals C is, oh, if I don't, if I teach people to just not use keto or not use paleo or not use these, you know, rigid diets or whatever as like a one size fits all approach. And if you fail, it's your fault kind of thing, then by default, I'm going to be improving their relationship with food, right? There isn't really any of the internal work that's being done for most of these people. Now, granted, we can't speak for everyone, but that's generally what it looks like and the really screwed up thing is now some of these people because we've literally gotten podcast pitch emails with this verbiage in it is they're using some of the statistics that the intuitive eating true non-diet and sometimes anti-diet you know people have used to explain why we shouldn't be adhering to these rigid protocols anymore right like for example an email that we got is like 
they say, you know, the reality is that like 95% of diets fail. Like, you know, we believe that this happens because they're too rigid. They're too one size fits all. We think the most important part of any healthy eating plan or diet or even weight loss plan is forming a healthier relationship with food. Do you? <laughs> Do you? And how are you doing that? Because the issue, one of the biggest issues here is they are not prescribing diets anymore but there's still morality around food, there's still healthism, there's still um, morality and goodness associated with certain body sizes and not other ones. There's still fat phobia going on. This is not weight-inclusive healthcare. This is not weight-affirming or, you know, like any of these affirming healthcares, right, or preventative healthcare. This is just same poop, different day, is what I said before, and what's really interesting is I posted a reel about this this week. And oh my God, I know. I posted on Instagram. Wow. And somebody commented like, does anyone else feel like those people are too afraid to lose business to fully let go of weight-focused approaches? Which is MKane coaching on Instagram. Super smart. You are true. Like, yes, we're here for it. And he is so right because a huge part of practitioners getting clients, especially on social media, is the marketing. So these people are trying to say what their potential clients want to hear, even if they can't deliver on those promises. This is, it's election season. This is all politics, basically. <laughs> One thing that I was thinking about that makes it easier, and it's hard to do when you're hearing all of the right language and the right verbiage. And I've had clients come to me and say, I worked with someone before, and this is what was kind of, what kind of, the kind of language they were using. I thought it would be a safe place, and then it was not. And if you take what Dana said about that email that we had where they said like the 95% of diets fail, they're too restrictive, too rigid, too one size fits all. Yes, 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 yes. We yeah, you might be like, yes, yes, I'm here and for it. And then the end where they say even weight loss uh, plan is needs to be forming a healthy relationship with food. If you take out everything else, the main takeaway is if you lose weight, then you have a healthy relationship with food. Or if you have a healthy relationship with food, you will then there lose weight. And that is the most dangerous thing. So what then that you can like take in from that is if your body doesn't change, does that mean I know I still don't have a healthier relationship with food? It's basically dangling your mental health and relationship with food on um, like, I don't know, dangling it in front of you or like, you know, and saying, basically, if you don't lose weight, then you really just, you really don't have a healthy relationship with food yet. And that to me is the most disgusting part about it. And that's where you can read through the rest of the noise. Like if you take out all the other things, it's yes, 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 that sounds cool. And then they say that and it's everything else doesn't matter beforehand because it completely contradicts it. And then it creates... This idea that if my body doesn't change, then I didn't create a healthier relationship with food. And you can create a healthier relationship with food without doing anything to your body because we've said it before and we will say it again. What your body does with health-promoting behaviors is none of your damn business. <laughs> and anyone who tells you that they can control what your body does with health-promoting behaviors is a liar. They do not have control over that. 
Only your body has control over what it's going to do with health promoting behaviors. And so for anyone to say that weight loss plan is forming a healthy relationship with food and that they have to have that. And that's what that means. That is so incredibly harmful and unfair. And a lie. And exactly. And the, the end goal and the process by which you get there for these people is still manipulating your food for the purpose of weight loss, which is a diet, right? So even though they say they're non-diet, they're not, you know? And we're, n- we're never saying on here that having a goal of weight loss is bad. Most of our clients that come to us all have a goal of weight loss, right? But the difference is we're not giving you a prescription for that. And we're also, you know, educating on the fact that like, for example, losing weight will not fix your body image, will not fix your chronic health conditions, will not fix your symptoms, will not any of these things, right? And these people that are spouting this nonsense, right? In these emails that we get, they're like, oh, we're non-diet intuitive eating, but we have a personalized science-based guide to finding your healthiest, happiest weight. Again, reading into it, what is a healthy weight? Because basically what you're saying is, we still think there's something wrong with your body if you're not thinner, if you don't lose weight, right? Your healthiest, happiest weight. You just said losing weight doesn't improve your body image. And yet in the next sentence, you're saying finding your healthiest, happiest weight. And it's, it's just so ironic and predatory. Yeah, it just reinforces the, if you don't fit into this, then there's something wrong with your body. And what person <laughs> seeking out nutritional support doesn't think that there's something wrong with their body? Most people do. That's why they end up coming to us, right? Some of my clients have full-blown, you know, intense eating disorder. Sometimes it's just disordered eating. Or with Dana, they have, GI issues and things like that that feel like uh, that are physically impeding them from being able to do what they want to do with their life. And so they can feel that there's something wrong with with their body and a true non-diet, weight inclusive, um, supportive environment is going to to have you learn how to work with your body and learn that there is nothing wrong with your body. We just need to support your body in different ways. And so when you hear language like this, like, like this is what you can do, or here's how we're gonna help you find this 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 stuff and change your body. It reinforces that little voice inside that's saying something's wrong with your body if it doesn't fit into this. And that's not supportive of you. It's not safe for you. It's not good for you long-term. And all that really does is dig you, I think, <laughs> this may sound really wild, but I almost think it's worse than the people out there who are posting about weight loss programs. Those are terrible. Like, I didn't think I could say that, but I almost find this. But they know they're they terrible. Know. They know exactly <laughs> what they're doing. You know, like they know like this. Lose a hundred pounds in 30 days. Like they know what they're doing is not sustainable and it's not healthy. And yet there is a market of people who want that. Right. But it's honestly, it's less shady, which is what I think you were kind of getting at. 
it's less shady than this approach, which is, you know, like, oh, you want to improve your body image. Oh, you want to improve your relationship with food. Oh, you want to do all these things and you want to lose weight. Come over to our side. Like we've got all of the answers. But the most ironic thing to me, and I think this is where you were going, Christina, is like all of, if you, if you followed this proposal and their plan and everything, you're making your relationship with food worse. You're digging yourself deeper into that hole and your body image is probably going to be worse as well, right? Or if your body image does get better because you have lost weight, you're still tying the improvement of body image to a smaller body, which is the equivalent of, oh, thinness equals better, thinness equals healthier, which as soon as you're unable to sustain this still probably rigid yes, no foods list and stuff that they're giving you, even though it's not a diet, right? Because it's not exactly paleo or keto or whatever it is. You're in a deeper hole than where you started with. And you, again, think there's something wrong with you, which is exactly what happens to people who do Whole30, paleo, keto, you know, intermittent fasting. Oh my gosh, so many different things. And I think, yeah, I mean, you did take in like exactly what, where I was going with it, but I, I, I also feel like it, it does this thing too, where you're kind of left alone at the end of the day too, because you know, you don't want to go to the big diets. And then now you feel like, um, you, in a way you innocently enough and trusting enough, right. Go to these people, think that they're going to have the right, that it's going to be a safe environment for you. And you you also have this ingrained medical stigma of weight, that there is a healthy weight loss, a weight goal. And that because we we've been told our entire lives, and that's one of the biggest challenges that I have with clients of mine is working through the like, oh, but I still need to lose weight for my health. Okay, well, let's talk about that. That's like a big thing that comes down. And so these people are providing you with this little bubble that they think like, where you're thinking that um, you can have both. Like, okay, I'm going to lose weight because it's for my health. They're saying, this is a professional who's saying that they can help me find a healthy relationship with with food and that will help me lose weight and I can do it in a way that's non-restrictive and non-rigid. This sounds beautiful, but then when that doesn't work and they're not able to do it and then it still feels like there's something wrong with you, then where are you? You're left between a rock and a hard place. You're left between the keto people and all of that and your doctor telling you that you need to lose weight because, you know, that's what they always tell you. And then you're over here and you're thinking, well, I can't even do intuitive eating because I tried that and it didn't really work for me. And I actually have to medically lose weight. So now you're going to be falling into, and you don't, and by actually, I put that in like quotes, you know, that's what your doctor is telling you. That's what you believe because we've been told that for so long. And then you're left holding the bag. And then you're left feeling like, okay, now there really is something wrong with me. I don't, I'm not disciplined enough to even do intuitive eating. I'm not disciplined enough to do keto or whatever it is. And now my doctor is writing me about this stuff and all these different things. And I, and you feel like you tried this route, but you didn't really get the environment that you really needed because you didn't really try it. You just tried um, a lesser version of a ketogenic diet wrapped up in a prettier bow with nice little marketing that made you feel like it was going to be supportive. And that is shitty. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think two, two things here. One, there, we talk about this frequently of how there's a huge spectrum of on the one side, extreme dieting, and then on the other side, anti-diet and the rejection of all nutrition and food principles and like, you know, just eat whatever, it doesn't matter. And one of the reasons that we, as, as Christina and I, and as practitioners, as people with chronic illness and symptoms and everything, develop the philosophy of wholehearted eating is because we saw that on the one hand, even using therapeutic protocols for the purpose of chronic illness, you know, remission or um, like working on your symptoms or all of those things can create these very disordered eating patterns and worsen your relationship with food and body image. At the same time, you can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater because then your symptoms are going to be all over the place. So we are always an evidence first practice, right? Like, but I think one of the issues is when you are classically trained as a dietitian or even functionally trained as a nutritionist, you're not taught how to use nutrition in a neutral way and to meet your clients where you are it's here's the diet plan here's the foods that you should eat here's the foods that you shouldn't eat because you know they're inflammatory or whatever the heck it is which by nature creates this kind of all or nothing mentality with food right but then at the same time I was thinking about this more as you were talking Christina I think these people who say that they're non-diet but they're not actually you know is a direct reaction to the kind of most extreme versions of the anti-diet movement that are like, oh, well, you know, just throw everything away and nutrition doesn't matter and your body will figure it out and all of these things. Because there are those people who have gone from the extreme of dieting to the extreme of anti-diet and just trying to, you know, eat their way through it as they say in the fuck it diet and stuff like that. Oop, that was the first time we cursed. Um, (laughs) Didn't mean to do that. Sorry. Um, But so when that happens, we've talked about this before, people feel like they are in no man's land, right? Or like scorched earth or in the middle. They're like, okay, well, I can't go to this camp and I can't go to this camp. So, you know, where am I supposed to go? Because while they may realize that the rigid protocols of dieting do not work for them, they've also tried the other side and they're like, now I feel even worse. I feel like I'm floundering. I feel like I taught, I use this analogy with my clients all the time of, I feel like I'm an amoeba floating and I have nothing to kind of latch onto thing. And it makes a lot of sense why if you have gone to those two extremes and you're looking for a new way, this is the kind of person that you would, you know, look to as your next option. Cause you're like, oh yeah, 95% of diets do fail, right? Like I don't want to diet anymore. I do want to improve my relationship with food. I do want to blah, blah, blah. And there's still that voice back there, whether it's small or a big voice of like, but maybe you should still lose weight. Wouldn't you feel so much better if you lose weight? So then people fall into this camp of the fake non-diet practitioners, right? We need a better name for Mm -hmm. them. Um, But then you go through this and you're like, well, this didn't work for me either. You know, what, what do I do now? And then you're really stuck. And a lot of people feel like, well, the only alternative for me is to go back to dieting because at least I feel like I had some structure and some control, right? Where really what they needed is for their practitioner to meet them where they are, to have their practitioner teach them how to use food and nutrition in a neutral way, depending on your health conditions and depending on what your history of your relationship with food is, right? Knowing, okay, well, 
how much of nutrition, even in a neutral way, is safe to talk about with my client, depending on their eating disorder history, their disordered eating history, how triggered they get by either, you know, symptomatic or, you know, mental emotional health about adding in certain foods or removing certain foods, even if it's for the purpose of extreme symptom relief. You have to meet your client where they are and understand that sometimes and most of the time for me and Christina, some of the things that people tell us on our discovery calls and, you know, like when we're thinking about working together is what they think they want but not necessarily at a deeper level what they really need. And we understand why that is because it's not like you're going to go on a free 15-minute call with someone and be like, here are all my deepest, darkest secrets and please fix me, right? Because it's not a safe environment. So we totally get it. (laughs) It's like a first date. You know what's something I think is like at the heart of all of it, where you're talking about the difference between the classically trained dietitian and the functional doctors and going to this and then naturally finding these individuals out there um, is fat phobia and weight stigma. I mean, that's the heart of it. Like that's the whole heart is that these people, when you're doing traditional dietitian practice, it's calories in, calories out. And it's weight loss focused and weight is a drama, like a metric for health. When you go to your doctor, medical weight stigma, weight is a metric for health. And so when you're like, who knows this person five years from now, or like three years from now might have their own come to aha moment and realize that, oh, wow, I'm seeing this now. And I've been working on my own internalized and fat phobia, like my own internalized fat phobia and fat phobia in general and weight stigma. And they're learning that educating. Um, Lord knows I went through that, that phase. Dana went through that phase very publicly. Everybody, everybody, this podcast alone has had its own evolution. And so, but that's the heart of it, right? And so I I want everybody who's listening to this, this episode to take what is non-diet. Non-diet is neutral nutrition in a way that's presented to you that's weight inclusive, period. When you find weight stuff included in it, it's no longer non-diet. It's weight loss focused. Even if it's subtle, even if it's under like under the under the hood, even if they're using all the language around it, if there is any kind of thought pattern or or weight loss type of language that's used in it, and they're not using language like weight inclusive or health at every size, then it's not. It's not because they haven't had that evolution yet in the research on why weight loss is the problem. The focus on weight loss is the problem, not your relationship with food. That's the problem. The problem is the focus on the weight loss that makes you feel like you have a health, unhealthy relationship with food that that feeds the whole the, the whole the whole cycle that gets us into the shame ship spiral. There it is again, number two. <laughs> gets us all in there and so to me that's the root the root is it's fat phobia and it's weight stigma at the heart and if you can try to do your best to sniff that out 
you're going to be able to protect yourself from falling into into this type of trap. And it's hard. Oh, God, is it hard? Because it sounds so good. And also, that's why it makes me feel like it's so dangerous and that it it's preying off of people's insecurities, even if it's innocent. Um, it's still innocent can still be incredibly harmful. <laughs> and so um, to me, that's what makes it so bad is because for most people that I know who are going from disorder eating or an, a, a really active eating disorder, like most of the clients, 95% of the clients that I work with, this is really scary territory that can keep you from being able to have a full recovery and get beyond it because they struggle so much with their body worth and their weight and what their body looks like. And they're, they're, um, they tie so much their weight to that, their self value. And so when you have language like, or even weight loss programs is forming a healthy relationship with food, like a huge part of me wants to say like, fuck you. Like, why are you doing this? Sorry, Dana, you're gonna have to edit this. <laughs> oh, I'm keeping that in there. I'm just gonna put a little uh, disclaimer in the because, beginning. <laughs> because the people that are out there that I'm seeing every day that I talk to, are struggling on such a deep level. And then when you put something like healthier relationship with food and weight loss, and when you dangle that because they're struggling so much internally, and then you dangle weight loss with it, you're a problem. That's a huge problem. And you don't even know, which makes you even more dangerous than the people who are out there saying, I'm going to help you lose weight. Like I find them to be even more dangerous because these people mm -hmm. can easily fall into their client load and then get latched onto them and live in this perpetual purgatory of I'm losing weight and I'm building a healthy relationship with food, but yet I'm not, but I think that I mm -hmm. am. And I think that I'm in a place where this is where this is going to happen. And I can't tell you how many clients of mine have gone to someone who said that they were eating disorder informed and worked with eating disorders. And this is the shit that they gave them. And this happens in, in, um, in eating disorder treatment facilities. This is all a part of a larger problem. And so to me, like, it is so unbelievably harmful and you can't heal your relationship with food and try to do intentional weight loss at the same time. You can't do it. So if they're telling you that you can, yeah. they're not non-diet. And, you know, something to think about too is this doesn't only happen in the nutrition and dietetics profession, oh, yeah. right? It happens in the personal training profession and then the fitness sphere because the exact same thing is happening, right? With, I mean, look out for language, right? Because it, you know what this reminds me of? And this also happens with therapists as mm -hmm. well. This reminds me of in The Wizard of Oz when he's like, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Like, it's the same thing. And it's just, uh, it's so frustrating to us as practitioners. And this is why we wanted to have this conversation today because for a long time, 
we have, you know, kind of branded ourselves as non-diet nutritionists. And at this point, that's not enough, right? We're going to have to change things. So if you see us changing our verbiage, it's because we don't want to be looped in with these fakers, basically. (laughs) Yeah, because I don't want to be known as the person who's doing the same type of thing. I want people to be able to find me when they're ready to do this type of work and say, oh, great. I found someone who's really going to support me in this. I also just want to say that as much as I think that they're a huge problem, I was once a problem. So like, (laughs) I don't, right? Like, I don't want anyone to think that I think that I'm like on some kind of pedestal or anything like that. I don't, I think I'm still learning, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still evolving. I'm still doing research. I'm still reading books. I'm still trying to figure all of the, all of these pieces out so that I can become a better clinician too, and a safer and safer environment for more people, um, especially people who have been harmed from all of this for so long. And, and I'm not saying like any, anything on anyone's character, but like, like I said, you can be innocently enough causing a lot of problem. And I, that's how I evolved. That's how Dana evolved. We sat down together and had conversations or like, like I've been doing elimination protocols with my clients, but why won't they eat more food afterwards? I'm like, oh yeah, because we're creating eating disorders. Oh wow, we had them too. Oh shit. <laughs> Maybe we should work on that. <laughs> like these are the conversations that we had 10 years ago together. This is why we love going on other podcasts as well and talking to other practitioners about this because many people don't know that there is another way of doing things and instructing your clients about food and meeting them where they are and actually being able to improve their health and improve their relationship with food, which ironically is what these fakers think that they're doing, but they're just making it worse, you know, and this is why it's so important if you, you know, are interested in this field, if you want to get into, okay, how do I create a more safe and inclusive practice, work under somebody or like learn from somebody who you really jive with, right? And make sure that person is always trying to learn more, right? One thing that I always say to um, like nutrition students when we're doing our, you know, hours for school or anything like that is like the mark of a good practitioner is someone who admits that they don't know everything. (laughs) Because the second that you say you think you know everything, you are the dumbest person in the room. Right. And I don't say that in a mean way, but it's very common when you first get into a field and you've been interested in nutrition for a really long time and everything like, oh, my gosh, I know so much. Yeah. okay. Every time I take a new continuing education or a class or have a new client that has, you know, a symptom that I've never, you know, seen or really worked with that intensely before, I'm like, wow, I know nothing (laughs) even though we know like our you know knowledge base has vastly expanded over the last you know whatever 10 years that we've been in this field or interested in this field or something but yeah that's my little tangent for today that I probably didn't need to go on but welcome to the podcast this is what we do (laughs) so this is the episode of what is non-diet you might be left with more questions than you started and that's okay. Send, Send them. them in. We're happy to answer any of them. Um, Email us or, uh, you know, if you're part of the new Patreon, oh. 
then you could submit your questions directly under this episode yeah, too. Oh my gosh, I forgot. We have a new Patreon. So yeah, that'd be awesome. So send us your questions, send us your comments, concerns, and uh, comments, concerns, and suggestions, the little suggestion box. Thoughts, feelings, process. We'll go through it together. <laughs> Back. Hey friends, it's Dana, and thanks for listening to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and if you can, we would absolutely love it if you left a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps spread the word so more people can find the show and learn how to break out of diet culture, the body image spiral, and find a more peaceful relationship with food in their bodies with wholehearted eating. If you're interested in learning more about how you can work with me or Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling or checking out our self-paced courses, head over to wholeheartedeating.com. And we'll see you again here next week.